All right. So thank you guys for joining us for the Changing the Narrative podcast. And I'm one of the co-hosts, Dr. Gabriel Warren, along with Carl Benson here. And we're excited to have you guys to be listening in on a conversation that we are happy to have. So today we have a very special guest, uh, Reggie Torber. He's one of my good friends and we've known each other for a long time. And I'm excited to have this conversation with him because I believe it's going to be a really great 30 minutes or so that we have. So Reggie, man, thanks for joining us. Man, thanks for having me. And, um, you know, man, I always feel uh, humbled and appreciated when I get invited to do anything, you know, because I understand that, you know, opportunities are everything. And, and, and for you to give me an opportunity, I, I don't take it for granted. So uh, I'm glad to be here with you. And, and also, you know, to meet another brother, Carl, I appreciate you and looking forward to getting to know you a little bit also. Absolutely, man. Thank you. Well, you know, I know I know you pretty well and, you know, We've got a little bit of chance to do some introductions, but for the people that are listening in and they're trying to get to know who Reggie Torbo is, can you start by just telling us a little bit more about yourself, man? Tell us a little bit about some of your background, some of the things you've been able to experience in life, and then uh, anything you'd like for us to know about your professional background. Yeah, yeah, man, that's a lot, man. I'll, I'll try to keep it. I'll try to keep it concise, and and, and you two dig in, um, in in the gaps if you want to. Um, you know, man. I'm originally from Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Um, um, you know, I tell people, man, I still got a lot of Baton Rouge in me. I'm refined now, but it's still in there. Um, but seriously, it, it shaped me. You know what I mean? Um, um, the good and the bad comes from that place, and, and I'm, I'm grateful for it all. Um, I grew up in a home, man. Most of the, you know, I had a stepfather for some of the time, but most of the time it was my sister and I. Um, man, I, I, I I think I was in in the moment I wouldn't have been able to articulate this, but um I would say I've always had the gift of kind of discernment and awareness and the ability to look around even at a young age and say, Man, something ain't right about this, man. I need to I want some I want to do something more, you know. And I would have these conversations with my little sister, you know. And um man, I realized my ticket to do that, do something, um, with sports. I, I realized pretty early that I was pretty gifted athletically. Um, man, I was blessed enough to um, be a really good high school player. Um, had a lot of scholarships, uh, scholarship offers, should I say. And um, man, I accepted the scholarship to Auburn University where I, I had the best five years of my life. Um, <clears throat> I guess at the moment, it was definitely the best five years of my life. And um, man, I was able to get an education. You know, no one in my family had ever been to college. Um, I was able to have a great um, playing career um, that was allowed me to be drafted. I was drafted by the New York Giants, um, played the NFL for eight years, um, won a Super Bowl. Um, man, I, I would say by the time I was 27, I had I had done everything that I thought I would do in my whole life. You know, <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was pretty cool when you think about it, you know. Um, where, where, where I go from there, G. So I would say after that, man, um, well, I, I could spin off of that, what I just said. And I think I hit a um, kind of crossroads in my life of where, man, I, you know, it's a, it's a strange thing to get everything you thought you wanted. You know, m most people live their whole lives and never get everything that they think they wanted. So they chase that thing their whole life. 
Well, you know, I would say my greatest gift is that I actually got what I thought I wanted and realized it wasn't enough. Mm-hmm. And that allowed me to pivot while I still had some years left. You, you, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, a lot of people, you know, get to the end of the rainbow and realize it's a sham. But hell, they 75 years old. You ain't got a lot of run, runway left. Yeah. I was 27. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that that is probably my greatest blessing I've ever had. Wow. Um, so to be able to reevaluate what's what's important, what's not, what what is of value and what is not, um, what does it mean to be a man and what is not, and I could go down the list on and on and on. Um, you know, blessed to have a, a beautiful, strong woman by my side. You know, Michelle and I have been married. You know, coming up on 19 years this year. Two beautiful children. Um, RJ and Cameron got a senior in high school, junior in high school. So I'm going through that right now. Um, um, man, I can go on and on, man. I feel like I, I can get long winded well, so there, man. No, I, I'm I'm excited to have a conversation with you. I, I was really curious about a couple of things. Obviously, there's a uh, having a son in sports myself, but um, what is what motivated you? I guess you know from that young age. How were you motivated to continue? Not only going from where you were in Louisiana, but from there to the NFL. There's a lot of stuff that happens in between that. Um, can you tell us or tell the audience, I guess, uh, a little bit more about how you did that? What was your motivation? What was your drive to, to get where you got? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, man, I think it, so that is not an easy question for me to answer. Um, and I have come through that the hard way. So so let me tell you, I would tell you initially that it was something I just worked hard at. You know what I mean? Um but I've been in situations where I'm, whether I'm coaching or leading young men or raising young men, and that thing that you're describing, Carl, it 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 is it is elusive, right? It it is, you know, I haven't figured out a way to give it to someone or teach it to someone. Um, there's no rhyme or reason, you know. You could say, well, it was my circumstance, it's situational, but I know people in that circumstance who don't have it, you know. Um, so the best guess that I can give you is it is a little, um, nature, you know, I believe, um, spiritual, I'm a spiritual man. I believe spiritually the Lord gave me something. Um, and I believe that I was in a situation where, um, you know, that was forced to come out. And then I think there were some internal things where we all have to make decisions regardless of what gifts we have. And I decided I was going to do something with it. So, Man, that's a little long-winded answer, but that's that is the best that I can do for you. As, as honest, I appreciate it. I appreciate yeah. it. Yeah. Um, no, that's good, man. Uh, that's good to hear you say it that way. And one thing you you hit on in, in your earlier answer was, you know, just how you were able to, you know, get everything you wanted, and then you got to the end of the rainbow, and then realized that wasn't wasn't what you know you may have thought it was originally, but one thing you did was you were able to transition, right? So you you were able to not get stuck. You know, there's still a lot of guys who get to the end of their playing career and then they're like, man, what's next? And they they get stuck in this rut. So how did you do that? Like what motivated you or how did you make that pivot from knowing that, man, you know, my playing days are over. Now yeah. I got to figure out what's next for the next 40, 50 years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, man, I, I, out of respect for guys that I love and care about who who did not transition so well, I, I need to start off by saying it wasn't easy, mm-hmm. right? Um, man, I, I again, I couldn't have articulated in a moment. You know, I stopped playing. I was 33. 
Um, but man, looking back upon it as almost a 43 year old man, um, man, I was depressed that first year. I think it, it was a hard transition. Um, and it's not just the playing part. I think you, people don't like saying this, but I think you get to a point where, man, you just kind of overplaying ball. Like it's like, man, I'm the schedule, the routine, just kind of over. Right. Yeah. And I was my, I was lucky enough to when my body fell apart. I had three shoulder surgeries in my last two years. So I didn't have to deal with this. I think I can still do it, right? I knew I couldn't do it anymore. My body stopped. Um, but besides the playing part, um, it is the, um, I think there's some value. There's some confidence that I lost. I mean, I, I'm, I was a confident person. And um, for the first time in my life, I wasn't. You know, I was very unsure about my skills. I was very unsure about um, what was next. And I always knew what was next. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, sport, sports is a very um, planned, scheduled, disciplined area, you know, and I thrived in it. Um, but for the first time in my life, I had to do it on my own. So um, <clears throat> I think for me, what happened was I came back to Birmingham uh, for two reasons. One, because I knew. Uh, you know, my wife was from here. I didn't want to go back to Baton Rouge. Um, but also, I, I I didn't know what I was going to do next, but I knew enough about how the world worked to where I said, hey, I need to be close to a network that can help me. And because I went to Auburn, I understood that Birmingham was a big Auburn town and it would be a good place for me to kind of catch my breath, you know? Um, so from there, man, I... Um, didn't do much that first year trying to figure myself out. Um, worked on my marriage, which, you know, wasn't in good shape at the time. Um, but slowly what began to happen is I began to realize that the skills that I had worked on my entire life were still valuable, regardless of what the world was telling me. You know, you hear people say, ah, you know, playing ball, what you going to do? Well, I couldn't hit people anymore. That was, you know, illegal now. But, um, <laughs> the hard work, the dedication, delayed gratification, the discipline, the, the conflict resolution, those skills were extremely valuable. And I began at the same time to realize, A, they were valuable, and B, they were rare, mm -hmm. right? Which was very different from my life, right? And because in professional sports, they aren't rare because the people who don't have those those disciplines, they, they aren't there, right. right? They're not around. So I had the illusion that this was common. Mm -hmm. But when I got out, I was like, oh, this isn't common. You know what I mean? <laughs> and I began to take in some, you know, the network thing worked because I went to Auburn. I started people giving me opportunities to come speak to their company, speak to their teams, um, you know, talking about these things, talking about my experiences. And what happened is my confidence began to grow. I began to make a name for myself. And man, you know, confidence and confidence is, is something, man. Once it gets going. And you get in the circle, you know, you can you can run, you know, and, and I was blessed enough to have those things fall in line for me, man. And, and I've, I've been able to have people support me. I haven't done it alone. I want to give you an illusion that I did. But, man, um, it, it, it's, it's been a heck of a few years since since I stopped playing. Mm, awesome. Yeah. You mentioned uh, you didn't do it alone. Can you sort of speak a little bit more on possibly whether it be coaches or mentors or uh, someone in your life that sort of led you, sort of helped you down that pathway? Man, I, I would take all of our time if I talked about every single person. 
<laughs> right. I, I I think I think it is an illusion, um, to 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 think that we can we do things on our own. And, and 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 we're talking about black men, so I'll I'll even be more specific, especially in the black community. This idea that we can do it on our by ourselves, right, w without creating these networks and supporting it, it, it's 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 just crazy. Um, <laughs> No, I, I use a quote when I when I speak to people often, and uh, I think it's it's um um it's useful here. Uh, Chris Carter, Hall of Fame receiver, you know, he 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 said this man. He said, um, in the NFL, um, <clears throat> there's probably about five percent of the guys, um, who can go play anywhere, right? Don't matter where they go, any team, any coach, you, you take them and they're gonna ball. Ninety five percent of the league, the the rest of the league needs two things to be successful. One, a coach who believes in them, and two, a system in which they can function. Right? So so one, I think that's true. And then two, the question I say is, if, if that's true for the greatest athletes on this earth, then man, how much more is it for people in our community that we're walking next to? So, mm -hmm. you know, Carl, when you ask me about me, man, I've always had someone who believed in me and, right. and 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 they they coached me directly and allowed me to function in a way that was um conducive for me being successful now some of these people in my life car were seasonal you know and i don't mean that sure. at all right but you know my high school coach you know there was a there was a place for him and then when i went to Auburn, you know it was someone else and but mm -hmm. you know <clears throat> you look back in your life you know, as you get older, as we get older, and you say, man, like, I was never alone. Like, I always had somebody in my corner. And, man, Carl, I'm just a, I'm just a, a product of those investments, man. I really am. Right on. Mm -hmm. I appreciate that. Yeah. Thank you. That's awesome, man. So, you know, you've been able to, you know, accomplish a lot. You know, 43 years old, you know, you've done a lot. And, you know, because I know you a little bit, more personally than maybe some of other people listening to this, could you tell us how you give back to your community? Cause I know you do a lot of that. Um, yeah. And, you know, I think it's important for people to know that, you know, yes, you've been successful in a lot of different ways, but you haven't forgot about, you know, giving back and helping others. So could you share yeah. a little bit about that? Yeah, 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 yeah. So that's always so so that's a tricky question for me but because and you know me g right <clears throat> people will take things you say and flip it or you you know what i mean so <clears throat> here's what i'll say there's a hundred ways to give back to your community how i do it it's just how i do it right that doesn't mean that it's right that doesn't mean that it's wrong right so i if I can, I would like to preface anything I say with, man, this is just my way, you know? Um, you know, for me, the main the main way that I give back to my community, right, is how I carry myself, right? I, I don't think there's anything more important than the way in which I carry myself, right? As a, as a husband, as a father, um, you know, as a leader of a company, as a leader in my community, um, you know, the, the, one of the worst things about, um, how we are perceived as black men in the community is that, 
um, we have to always represent the other one, right? No other race, well, that's not true. Most minorities have to do it, but, you know, the majority does not have to worry about that, mm -hmm. right? If, 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 they, if I have a white counterpart and, and, and we're in the majority, you know, white company and, you know, this person, my white friend could be my best friend, they have the ability to act, think, behave for themselves without representing an entire race, mm -hmm. right? Whereas me as a black man, when I'm a, in a position, and I talk about seats a lot, when I'm a seat of, when I, when I am in a seat of influence, if I were to ever misuse that or fail at that, it wouldn't just be this one human, Reggie failed. It will be, see, I told you, I gave them a shot. Look yeah. what they do with it. You see what I'm saying? Right. That is very negative. It ticks me off a lot. But I choose to flip it for the good. And I know that, hey, man, when I'm in the seat, this seat is not just for me. This seat is for the people who come behind me also. So, man, there are a lot of times where I told y'all Baton Rouge Reggie want to come out, you know, <laughs> but, <laughs> but, but, you know, I think about the people around me and the people that I represent and man, it 100% it affects how I carry myself, how I speak, how I dress, everything, you know what I mean? So, so I, I would say that's the main, that is the main thing um, that I do. Um, I'll stop there and let y'all. No, I, I, I appreciate that. I think that there's a few things that you said I'd love to dig into a little bit because we um, both, uh, Gabriel and I both work, you know, in this space of working and mentoring and supporting uh, young mm -hmm. black men. Um, you seem to have a really solid grasp on yourself, that inner self. And yeah, clearly it's happened over time, but what yeah, would but. you see? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's all, you know, it takes time, right? you know. Yeah. But I, but in in a, in the sense that we're in right now with the young people that we work with, maybe one or two tips that we could give young people to say, hey, how do you start to build that confidence in yourself, that understanding the narrative that's kind of put on you, but not necessarily living up to a stereotype. Maybe a tip or a suggestion you would give young people. Yeah. Um... You know, man, young, you know, we as humans, we're so different, man. Um, it, it's hard to give um, um, advice for the masses. But mm -hmm. I, 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 I would say, um, I would say most young people that I come across right now, I'm, I'm trying to speak for things that I've experienced. Um, we, we have, we are losing, in my opinion, um, this idea of a something I talk about a lot, which is like a mentor or someone to follow. So, somehow that has become uncool. You know what I mean? And um, I think regardless of how smart or talented or gifted you are, man, if you are left to yourself at any age, um, but especially at a young age, you, you probably won't be able to make good enough decisions to change your circumstances. You know, so for instance, I, I will tell you, um, I grew up around a lot of people who were smarter than me, more talented than me. Um, and Carl, a lot, it's not all of it, man, but a lot of the um, 
differences in our lives today um, are because that I chose to follow people who are willing to invest in me and they chose not to. Um, right. And man, that seems like a very simple answer, but um, one, listening to people who are trying to help you, right? Just listen and just try. You don't have to do it all the time. If you would do 75, 70% of it, you know, you'll be okay. Um, so so that that's the first thing that I would say to, to a young person, man, like, do that, you know. Right. I appreciate that. Appreciate so if you had a magic wand <laughs> and you were wanting to try to eradicate a misconception about being a black man in our society, uh, what would be that one thing that you would want to just eliminate? Yeah. Um, man, that that again, man. Y'all ask really good <laughs> questions, man. I give that to y'all. Here's why. Here's why it's here's why it's tough because a lot of times, man, you hear stuff that's so stupid as far as <laughs> um stereotypes and misconceptions. I don't even want to give them energy. Yeah. You know, I don't want to give them life by even speaking to them. Right. You know what I'm saying? Um, <clears throat> but but he, he, here here's what I would say, man. Um, to something I said earlier, that there will be several points in this. One, man, like, like we're 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 human, right? We're we're human just like anyone else, right? Like we have our thoughts and experiences and emotions we have our culture which may be different from someone else's culture but it's ours right you know what i mean um we are individuals um but we're proud right uh i, I tell people a lot of time you know you, you'll hear some of the foolery you hear sometimes and say well and it comes from a good place so i do want to i don't want to um i don't want to dismiss this but, but i hear it often said well i don't see color yeah, it's like man, if you don't see color, you blind hell. Because I see color, <laughs> right? Like I, I don't want you to not see my color. I just don't want you to think less of me because of it. Right. Okay. Yeah. You, you you know what I'm saying, right? Because I we we are we are we are different. Um. We are talented. Um. We are not. Um, um, some you know symmetric beings, right? We have our own thoughts and experiences and emotions, and and I would like for us to have the space to figure out life, to grow, to develop, to mature, just as the next, just as much as the next person, right? I don't, I don't want to live in a society. I don't want my boys, my kids, people I love, black people I love specifically to live in a society where being exceptional is the standard. No one else, no one else lives with that burden. Wow. Right. I want to be able to screw up a little too. Mm -hmm. Right. I want to be able to figure stuff out. Right. I just want to, I want those same things like everyone else. That's what I would ask. Very cool. Very cool. I know you you spoke a little bit uh, about your professional sports background. Tell us, I guess, what you're doing now and how that success is similar to your football success, but also just in general, what success looks like. Mm -hmm. um, I think success for me, um, personally, I, I, again, 
everyone has their thing, right? It's, it's biblically, you know, the, the parable of the talents, right? I think some of us have more responsibility than others. Um, I am someone who believes, I try to preface this in a responsible way. I am someone who believes that I have um, responsibility greater than myself and even my family. Um, again, I talk about, I've said it several times on here, man, like, you know, when you sit in seats, those seats are not just for you, right? Um, you know, one of, one of the blessings that I get in my life is I get, I do have opportunities to, to, to speak for the voiceless. Um, so, so with that being said, man, I think success for me will be measured at the end of my life by the people and the communities that I've helped. And, um, I don't have a number. Um, but I think for me, as my responsibility lies in my intentionality in it, right? And as long as I'm hustling and grinding for something greater than myself, um, trying to teach and, um, offer people the same opportunities that I was offered, um, I think that is, that is, that is a, a part of what I define success. Now, hey, I, you know, obviously as a family man, as a husband, as a father, you know, but I would, I would say that most people, most men have those same, um, those same desires. But for me, mine extends to my community. Very cool. Thank you. Wow, man, that's good, man. You know, I was thinking about just, you know, a lot of the stuff you've been saying, man. And, and I know that, you know, we have these questions we like to try to talk through and try to make sure everybody is, you know, getting the, the the purpose of what we're trying to do here. But, you know, one of the things that I really have enjoyed about hearing you talk is, you know, you are giving perspectives and you're also kind of all at the same time, letting people know that like, although we're talking about what it means to be a black man in America, like every black man's experience is different. Yeah. And, yeah. You know, it doesn't yeah. mean that, the same way I experienced something is going to be the exact same way somebody else, you or Carl, anybody else. So, I mean, I like that. So if there was a way that you could, um, I guess, talk about what should the narrative be about a black man in America, if you could mm-hmm. rewrite that narrative. And I know that that's like a, a, an enormous task. But if you yeah, had yeah, an opportunity, yeah. what you to asking like, me? <laughs> you could, like rewrite that narrative. Yeah, what you wanted to say, you know, like if you could just rewrite that narrative about what it means to be black in America as a black man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, man, I think, I think the narrative is not. I think we are just. The, the narrative doesn't start with us as, as as black men, right? I think the the narrative starts with our view of history as a country, mm. and we are just unfortunately the, the benefactors of that. Um, you know, <clears throat> there there are there are two parts, and I'll I'll try to say these respectfully. Um, man, there were laws, um, ordinance, amendments, like it was a it was it was legal to devalue and dehumanize 
um, and mistreat black people in this country. That is short of my opinion, man. That is a fact, right? They, they, it, it, it was it was such a fact that they wrote it down. They, they weren't even embarrassed to write it, you know. You, you, so that's that's part one. There are repercussions of the way that we were treated, right? I I I think I've told you this, G. Me and you talked about this at the house one night. I I am forty two years old. I'll be forty three in January, right? I am the first. I am in the first generation in my family who was born in this country with full rights. Like, think about that, right? My, my, both my parents were born, you know, early 60s before civil rights, but right, which means that they couldn't go use a bathroom, right? If it wasn't marked colored. Yeah. So, so, you know, when people are talking about how long ago these these things were, like it just blows my mind. I'm like, right. <laughs> What do you think? Like I'm, I'm the, and most people will call me a, a young, you know. Some people will call me my kids, would, but you know, people in this in in, in our arena, right, would say, right. you know, before it's like he's still a young man, you know. Um, but I'm the first, you know. My son is the second, and he's seventeen. Yeah. So, um, <clears throat> but you know, when you have, um. You know, it's funny. I love the name of the show, Changing the Narrative. When you have the ability to control the narrative, it's a powerful thing. And and instead of reflecting back um, on on the on the um, poor decisions of our forefathers, right? It's easier to blame the people who have been put in a screwed up situation. Right. Um, so somehow we find ourselves fighting that, right? Which again, blows my mind, right? That, that those are the things that make me um, very unhappy to have to defend, right? Because my thought is, I don't care what color you are, what nationality you are, man, if you're put in a tough situation, man, like you will survive. We will all survive, right? And then you just hit a switch and say, hi, okay, it's over now. It, it just it just doesn't work that way. So that's one thing <clears throat> that has affected the narrative. Now, the other side, I would say, is I do strongly believe in personal responsibility, right, as a Black man. Mm-hmm. And I think we can hold those things at the same time. It doesn't have to be either or. You, you get into these arguments about either or. You know, man, we all talk to young kids. I know you all do. And man, like you, you find ourselves having to have the conversation. Man, I know it sucks. I know it's unfair. I know it's not right. I know it's hard. But you still got to do it. You still got to hustle. You yeah. still got to figure out a way. You know what I mean? You still got to do it. And man, that's hard, but it's, it is it it is the reality that we find ourselves in, especially dealing with, you know, young black males, inner city males. That's the reality. You know, it is both of those things um, that need to be addressed. Awesome. Awesome, man. Well, Reggie, I think we are getting down to the last question here. Um, and that went by quick, man. <laughs> it does go by quick, man. But you said so much profound stuff, man. Yeah, and um, I'm sure that there are people that are listening to this or that may watch this on a YouTube page 
that may want to follow a little bit more of your journey. Mm-hmm. Um, so could you share like a way or a couple of ways that people can kind of follow you, whether that's on your social media platform or your website or anything <laughs> like that? Man, you're about I to know show you're not a big social media person. But <laughs> I'm not. So, so, so listen, so here, see, I think I told you, so this is so crazy, man. I can remember I was living in Fort Lauderdale and um, my cousin was at the crib and he was like, hey, man, you heard about this thing, Twitter, right? <laughs> like, I never had my space page, nothing. I ain't had none of that. You know what I'm saying? And I was like, oh, man, it's, that's social media crap, man. That stuff, I ain't fooling with it, man. It's it's going gonna, it's gonna to be gone tomorrow. You know what I mean? Man, talking about I misjudged that one. Yeah. Uh, but I've I've just never really gotten into it because I, you know, I am um I've always liked my my space, man. And I I, I think um social media makes me more available or than I like to be. But man, if you don't if if you're in business and you don't figure it out, you're gonna get left behind, you know. Right. So um, you know, I am um blessed to lead a company now, you know, Pylon Building Group, um, general um, commercial contractor um, in in Birmingham, Alabama. And because of that, I've had to get my social media game up, but I don't (laughs) know it enough to tell you the tags and all that. So Pylon Building Group, uh, you know, we have, um, have social media, all the social media platforms, and then my personal platforms. I'm really bored, so it's just my name, just Reggie Torbor. <laughs> you type it in. You don't you don't know many people last name Torbor, so if you type it in, I promise it'll pop up. Oh yeah. There you go. Well, thank you, man. I'm, I'll make sure I put those hashtags at the bottom, man, uh, so that it, it, it'll show up for people to just click on. But man, again, Reggie, I want to thank you for you know taking out the time, man, to really share a little bit about your story. And I know it was a lot you left out. You know what I'm saying? We didn't dig into a ton of it. You know what I'm saying? We didn't yeah. slide by with saying you won the Super Bowl, but you know what I'm saying? That, you know, that's something that, you know, we could have dug into that and talked about that the whole time. Yeah. Man. But yeah, yeah, yeah. I just thank you for taking out the time to spend with us tonight. Cause uh, you know, it is I know you value relationship, I do too. And yeah. I think um we wouldn't be having this conversation if we didn't value the same relationships and values and stuff. So I appreciate you for taking out that time with us today. Yeah, yeah. Appreciate yeah. you. Thank you. Thank you. And, and, and hey, I want to thank you all because, um, you know, man, this is good work. This is meaningful work that you two are doing. You know, we yeah, again, man, who, whichever one you came up with the name, it's a, it's a beautiful name, you know, because narratives, again, they're important. And if you don't tell your story, then someone else will. So I appreciate you, the two of you created the platform where we can tell our stories. Right on. All right. Appreciate you. Okay.